This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Who's more Jeffrey Epstein? Jeffrey Epstein or Bill Gates? This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. You can see the AI-generated image behind me depicting what an interview with Bill Gates must be like because the more we learn about him, the more like Jeffrey Epstein he seems to be. Case in point, the Wall Street Journal is reporting today that some women who sought jobs at Bill Gates' private office went through what they described as an extensive screening process that included being questioned by a security firm about their sexual histories, past drug use, and other parts of their private lives that might indicate they were vulnerable to blackmail. The article goes on to say that some female job candidates were asked whether they had extramarital affairs, what kind of pornography they preferred, or if they had nude photographs of themselves on their phones. This is according to candidates and people familiar with the hiring process. While it couldn't be determined whether any men were asked such questions, none who spoke to the Wall Street Journal said they had. Female candidates sometimes were asked whether they had ever danced for dollars. One of the candidates was asked whether she had ever contracted a sexually transmitted disease, according to that candidate. The screenings were conducted in recent years by a security consulting firm called Concentric Advisors, and the interviewers were ultimately trying to find any information that had the potential to be used to compromise or blackmail the individuals who would be working closely with Bill Gates, one of the world's most richest men. Concentric said that its protocols comply with applicable laws, and a legal expert said of the questions, there's not a black letter law prohibition on asking questions related to sex, but getting the information and taking some adverse action with that information, such as rejecting the candidate, could lay the basis for a legal challenge. I don't think he's going to be rejecting the candidate after getting the compromising information. I think having those answering in the affirmative or showing that they have a compromising past is what will get them the job. It's the Jeffrey Epstein method, Wall Street Journal, or legal expert, whoever you're talking to. Yes, he wants the, the women that are compromised so that he can say compromising things in front of them and threaten them. Not the other way around. Here's what Gates' spokeswoman said. We can confirm that after a comprehensive review of our records, no employment offer has ever been rescinded based on information of this nature. Of course it's never been rescinded. Did the Wall Street Journal follow up and say, but have any been hired based on information of this nature? I'm betting probably. I wonder who's working closely with him right now and if they went through this process. Asked how questions about sexual or medical histories comply with laws, a spokesperson for Concentric denied it, denied it initiated such questions and said, such information can be volunteered by job candidates when asked about public records. Oh, so they pull out public records and they say, oh, it looks like you have this drug offense or this sexual offense. And then they start probing further, I guess. Uh, the security firm or the security screening involves assessing a candidate's truthfulness and vulnerability to blackmail, which often starts with voluntary statements by the candidate with follow-up questions by company interviewers, spokesperson said. 
Job candidates disputed Concentric's characterization, saying they were asked about sensitive information and didn't volunteer it. A consent form reviewed by the journal said behavioral assessments by a Concentric professional would be used to assess suitability for employment by Gates' private office and would include drug and alcohol history as well as past medical and psychiatric history as it relates to the job. This is exactly what Epstein would do. He would recruit these people from broken homes who had past drug offenses because they had these vulnerabilities that he could use against them. Bill Gates either learned a lot from him or vice versa, or maybe they learned together. The form, requiring a signature from the job candidate, gave permission to disclose the results from the assessment to Gates' private office, including a highly sensitive, including highly sensitive information and does not allow for the redisclosure of sexually transmitted diseases, the document shows. Maybe Epstein knew more about Gates than just that uh, little piece of information about him get, having an affair with uh, what's obviously a Russian spy back in the uh, like 2010-11, whenever. Listen to this information about this company, Concentric. Concentric describes itself as a risk management firm that has several former CIA and Federal Bureau of Investigation officials on its staff. It has worked with private family offices for almost two decades, providing pre-employment checks and mitigating risk posed by individuals with potential nefarious motives, according to its website. Concentric's headquarters are in the same lakefront office park in Kirkland, Washington, as Gates Ventures. That's a shock. Informally, Gates employees would warn job candidates that a former CIA agent would be drilling into medical information, past drug use, and relationships, including former sexual partners, some people said. Questions about a candidate's sexual history or preferences are deeply offensive, and it has nothing I can conceive of whether a person can do a job, said Lindsay Holm, a Seattle-based employment lawyer. I suppose if you're working at a sex toy store or, or an adult film store where you might conceivably have a job-related question about that, or if you're getting hired to work Bill Gates, then that's a job-related question. Surely this lawyer isn't missing the Jeffrey Epstein parallel here. Look at this website from Concentric. Con is probably the operable word there. Your journey with Concentric Advisors. For over a decade, we have supported clients in some of the world's fastest-growing industries to successfully solve security challenges. We believe they're is no boilerplate solution for security, and we collaborate with clients to provide services that fit seamlessly into their personal lives and work environments, and then says they safeguard some of the world's most influential companies and individuals with top-tier operational intelligence, investigative, and cybersecurity talent. Go over here, look at their, their impact. Oh, look, diversity, equity, and inclusion. They are they establish programs and initiatives around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Fantastic. So they will ask you, what your favorite sex position is in the bedroom, but I guess they'll have the black gay woman do it. Look at their leadership team. They have experienced in-house team of security and intelligence professionals who work with the best intel security resources to provide unrivaled global coverage. Diverse history of leadership and national security, law enforcement, military, special operations, and academia, Fortune 500 companies, global nonprofits, allows them to collaborate and solve complex challenges and Innovative solutions. And look at the background, just a few of these. I mean, all of them have a similar background. Uh, Roderick Jones, executive chairman, he is had a career with Scotland Yard's special branch focused on international terrorism and the close protection of a prominent British cabinet member. Then we have Mike Lefevre, who is a retired vice admiral of the United States Navy. Jeff Baker, prior to joining Concentric, he served 16 years in the U.S. government. Jim Morgan... Jim served more than 24 years in the U.S. Secret Service. 
Casey Allen, U.S. Marine Corps, who implemented information systems on five continents, including multiple deployments to combat theaters in the Middle East. Yari McBride brings two decades of experience in strategic and, and tactical intelligence, supporting the world's most elite and counterterrorism operations all over the world. Eric Jurgensen, who served 20 years with the FBI as a special agent and field supervisor prior to working at Concentric. And Jennifer Wysocki, who is the director of background investigations. That's funny. So this is a blonde woman. She's attractive. And she. it says during her time with Concentric, she's managed a team of highly skilled interviewers and investigators covering behavioral assessments and background check cases for the clients. So they get the pretty blonde lady to ask about the sexual stuff of the women. Because hoping women will be more comfortable having another woman asking them that stuff. Kind of like Ghislaine Maxwell. This is the Ghislaine Maxwell of this organization. She also served eight years in the U.S. government. I don't, what does that mean, served eight years in the U.S. government? Doing what? So it's a private intel firm housed in Gates Complex in Washington, filled with former feds. So what are they doing with Gates here with these articles? What are, what are they outing him? Are they taking Gates down, or are they just releasing this stuff so that they can then bury it? I guess we will find out. Looks like they're out in Gates. They're making him the new Epstein. Maybe he is. Maybe he was the original Epstein. Only time will tell. Speaking of Jeffrey Epstein. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Next story. I'm sure you heard that the inspector general released a report about the days leading up to Jeffrey Epstein's alleged suicide. And he laid out what happened in a detailed timeline that reveals why they believe Jeffrey Epstein did in fact commit suicide. I'm going to go through some of this timeline. The whole Inspector General report, based on the investigation, it's like 120 pages, but there is a condensed timeline that Business Insider has that I'm going to go through, and we'll see if you're convinced. I don't know if I'm convinced, but maybe you guys will be. Of the many things the report did find, it was that officials let Jeffrey Epstein make an unmonitored call on the night that he died to his mother, who, as it turns out, has been dead for almost 20 years. Here's what the article says. Department of Justice investigators on Tuesday released a blistery 121-page report detailing Epstein's death in Manhattan, the Manhattan jail and how jail officials failed to prevent his suicide. The DOG Inspector General's report includes new details on his final days and what happened in the moments just before and after Epstein died. August 8, 2019. Investigators said Jeffrey Epstein is seen by the psychology department at the jail, and during the meeting, Epstein denies any suicidal ideation, intention, or plan. On the same day, Epstein meets with his lawyers and secretly changes the details of his will during that meeting. You might recall that one of the changes that he made to his will, maybe the only change, was that he made as the successor executor of his will. So if the first person who is the executor doesn't want to do it or can't do it, this, the next person would be in charge. He made that a guy, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was one of Bill Gates' top confidants back in 2010 to 14 range. 
who Bill Gates sent to introduce to Epstein that what appears to be an obvious Russian spy girl that Gates was having an affair with, which was some obvious signal, I think, to look into Gates more. Jail officials didn't know that Epstein made these changes. Later that day, jail officials are notified that Epstein's cellmate is going to be transferred to a new jail on August 9th. That's the day before he died, allegedly. On the same day, staff at the jail realized that there were disc failures in the DVR-2 recording system days earlier on July 29th. The report said that the failures meant that approximately one-half of the institution's security cameras were not recording. Although the cameras continued to broadcast a live video feed. Well, that's useless unless it's recording, right? But, uh, they, and they only realized that the day before, when they had Jeffrey Epstein in their prison. But the staff at the Manhattan jail didn't do work to fix the recording system. Well, obviously. August, August 9th, 2019. Epstein's cellmate, 8.30 a.m., is transferred out of his cell at the jail the day before. According to the report, two workers at the MCCSHU claimed they were told by supervisory staff that Epstein's cellmate was leaving and that he would need a new one. But other witnesses couldn't verify if that was true, and Epstein never was assigned a new cellmate, which violated jail, the jail policy. Between 8 and 9, Epstein had another meeting with his attorneys. Before 1 p.m., Epstein's lawyers asked the jail if he could either be moved to a different unit or if he could not have a new cellmate. On the same day, staffers at MCC New York get the replacement hard drives they need to fix the security camera recording system. That's on, that's on the 9th. But according to the report, the staffers do not, do not do the necessary repairs to get the system up and running again. Later that day, a federal court unseals thousands of documents relating to Ghislaine Maxwell, Epstein's longtime partner and co-conspirator. According to the report, the files include information on Epstein and the criminal charges against him. The report said that there is ex extensive media coverage on the information and the unsealed documents. They're acting like that is some motivating factor for him maybe killing himself. As though everybody didn't already know about him at that point. It was no secret, the stuff he had done at that point. So I, I don't understand. That's not any motivating factor. It's not like people are still walking around thinking he was a good guy. 4 p.m. Jail staffers conduct the scheduled inmate count. 6.45, Epstein leaves the conference room meeting with his lawyers. 7 p.m., Epstein makes an unmonitored phone call to a number with a New York City area code saying he's going to speak to his mom, the report said. His mother had been dead for years. I think since 2004, if I recall correctly. The unmonitored call is against the Bureau of Prisons Policy, the report said, but Epstein was given special permission, as he always was. Federal investigators said that, in actuality, Epstein speaks with someone with whom he allegedly has a personal relationship Epstein calls his girlfriend, Karna Shalek, according to media reports. Following the call, Epstein goes back to his cell without a cellmate. 10 p.m., jail staffers skip the scheduled inmate count. They skip it. <laughs> they also don't make the required rounds every 30 minutes. August 10th, 2019. 12 a.m., jail staffers miss the scheduled inmate count for a third time, 3 a.m., Again, the jail staffers don't do an inmate count. No inmate counts on this day, apparently. 5 a.m., August 10th. For the fifth time in 24 hours, the staff do not count the inmates in jail. They also don't do the required rounds scheduled for every 30 minutes from 12 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. 6.30 a.m., the jail staff begin to make rounds to deliver breakfast to the inmates. 
Typically, staffers would give jail inmates breakfast through the slots in the locked cell doors. But when the staff deliver Epstein's breakfast, they unlock the door to the tier in which Epstein's cell was located and then knock on the door to Epstein's cell, the report says. So they did it differently there. That's interesting. Epstein doesn't respond to the staffer's knock, almost as though they expected him not to respond, it kind of feels like to me. The staffers then unlock his cell door and find Epstein hanged in his cell, the report said. So let me get this straight. For six hours, they don't do the rounds that they're supposed to do. The cameras aren't working, and instead of just sliding the food in there, they go and knock on the door almost like they're expecting him to be dead. Hmm. And 6.33 a.m., prison medical staff arrive and continue CPR on Epstein. They use a defibrillator and move him to the health services unit. Paramedics arrive and perform CPR. They intubate him and give him medicines and fluids. The ambulance takes him to the, the hospital. 7.36 a.m., he is pronounced dead. Meanwhile, the staff at the jail fail to recover video from the DVR recording system. The Bureau of Prisons begins repairs on the system, and the FBI claimed all hard drives in the faulty system. So the FBI has the hard drives, even if there is anything in them. And here's the actual report. The conclusions in the actual report. The MCC New York staff failed to ensure that Epstein had a cellmate on August 9th, as instructed by the psychology department. The MCC New York staff failed to conduct mandatory rounds in inmates' counts, resulting in Epstein being unobserved for hours before his death. The staff allowed Epstein to place an unmonitored telephone call on August 9th. The staff failed to conduct and document uh, cell searches and eliminate safety hazards in Epstein's cell on August 9th, leaving Epstein with excessive linens in his cell. Here, let me just set these linens here, and I'll be back in six hours. The New York staff failed to ensure that the institution's security cameras were fully functional, resulting in limited recorded video evidence. So... Did they let him die? Did they know he was going to commit suicide? Is there any way that this is just incompetence? I mean, they leave him alone for six hours. They miss, what, five or six of the scheduled rounds and checks. Let him place a phone call to who? Who was he talking to there? Was it really his girlfriend? If you read the report, the police officer who let him do it, or the corrections officer, said that a man answered the phone, and that he handed the phone to Epstein, and then that guy got out of there and gave Epstein his privacy, and there was no recording in the phone call. And did Bill Gates have anything to do with it? Or did Epstein slip out of the prison there? Now, this hospital, I looked, not this hospital, this prison, I looked it up. There was one escape in the past from this prison, and it was from the inmate that was on the floor that Epstein was on. He was able to get to the roof somehow, and a helicopter came down and got him. I can't remember if they, they caught up with the guy or not, but... I just found that to be interesting. So what do you guys think? Are you as convinced as the inspector general is that Epstein definitely killed himself now? Because that's what they're using this report to say, that this is the evidence we need. The inspector general proves that he wasn't murdered and he didn't escape. I'm not convinced. All right, before we get to the final story of the day, which is going to be about the mental hunger games the Harvard women's hockey team was forced to go through. It's quite interesting. I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the DMBXR, the subscriber-only portion of the show, which is whether or not a sexting nun has broken her vow and how millions of people are about to become one year younger, officially. If you want to get access to that subscriber-only portion of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash report and subscribe there today. That is how I support the show, how I support myself. So check it out. What you will get along with the subscriber-only portion of the show is you will get this show, the DMB, 
ad-free. I took out all the ads for subscribers. I put it together with a DMB XR and I pop it in to your own private RSS feed that you get in Patreon and you can put into any podcast app that you listen on and it will go straight there as soon as I upload it to Patreon. So check it out, patreon.com slash propaganda report. You can find me on Twitter at Freedom Act Radio. You can follow me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Brad Binkley. And you can find me on Rumble at rumble.com slash prop report. And you can check out the website at propagandafight.com. All right, now on to the final story of the day. Harvard, the woke Ivy League school, has vowed to overhaul the culture of its women's hockey team after a longtime coach retired amid accusations of abusive behavior that one player compared to a mental health hunger games. Katie Stone, the fourth winningest coach in NCAA women's hockey history, stepped down as head coach on June 7th after a 29-year tenure that included four national championship appearances but was eventually dogged by accusations she'd emotionally damaged players and apparently turned them into winners by the looks of it. I mean, four national championships, fourth winning as coach. Her methods might be madness, but they appear to be effective. Multiple outlets have reported on a toxic on an off-ice culture for the program, including allegations that players felt forced to drink and perform sexually charged role-playing as part of hazing rituals. So the coach gets everybody in the ice, gets them hammered and scissoring. If you want to be on this team, if you want to play for the fourth winningest hockey coach in the NCAA history, at practice, players were allegedly told to do a naked skate where players were told to dive on the ice in a Superman pose while completely nude often leaving skaters with ice burns and bloody nipples. How else are they supposed to learn how to skate on their nipples? These girls obviously don't know what it takes to play championship hockey at this level. Players anonymously told reporters of having to put condoms on bananas, simulate orgasms, and perform skits mocking their sexual orientation. Nobody's expecting that. The other team is not expecting someone to start sucking on a condom-covered banana and mocking their own sexual orientation in the middle of a game. All I'm saying is, when that happens, the defense lets their guard down easy score. This is tactical hockey that she's teaching these kids, and they're ungrateful. One former player said she reported the behavior to the administration but never heard back. Obviously, because you're reporting behavior that's getting W's. I mean, this coach coached the 2014 silver medal team in the in the, in the Olympics, the Sochi Olympics, okay? And somebody's, you're complaining about how she wins? I mean, this ain't no different than what Bobby Knight used to do, a legend, when he coached college basketball. He used to make his team for hours spin the basketball on their nipples. In addition, the program's retention rate is one of the worst at Harvard. Only 20% of the freshman class stayed at the school last season, well below the rest of the athletic department's rate of 75%. In a 2020 interview that was published on one of Harvard's official YouTube channels, Stone paid tribute to promoting a highly competitive atmosphere among her players. Coaching gives me the opportunity to stay competitive. Players have no idea what they're really capable of, and if we continue to challenge them on a daily basis, they accomplish so much more. Of course, if you can fly across the ice on your nipples butt naked while sucking a banana and mocking your own sexuality, you can reach the stars. This woman is a legend. She should write a book called My Championship Nipples while holding a banana and a hockey puck. Harvard just lost the best thing they had going for them. And that's where I'm going to wrap up the show. Patreon.com slash Propaganda Report. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.